Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. The two teams with the best combination of overall records and conference records in the Coastal Division of the Atlantic Coast Conference go head-to-head. Saturday afternoon up in Charlottesville, it will be Duke at UVA. They're both 4-2. and two. They have 2-1 two and one conference records. The winner certainly will be viewed as a very serious contender for a trip to the ACC title game. We love to talk life, sports, football, and his Blue Devils with the 12th year leader at Duke in football, David Cutcliffe. Coach, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, David. Uh, intense week, to say the least. I'll bet. Let's goof around before we get to the intense stuff. We saw you dancing again after the win over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Did you find the same dance partner? And at any point, Coach, do either your wife or children or players, like, chime in and give you dance reviews? Oh, the players always do. (laughs) They laugh at me, and, you know, rightfully so, don't think I can even come close (laughs) to to doing any of that right. Um, Sandra... Every week is she's worked here since we've been here on game day and uh, does a wonderful job and her daughter Robin and they're just great friends a lot of folks that we see and have seen for a lot of years now so that's a celebratory dance that I really look forward to and uh, yeah I, it kind of for forever it didn't get on right you know, right video yeah now they oh. follow you everywhere yeah so you know. I don't. I don't know. I may have to put on something formal and do something different here. If we're gonna. If we're gonna go. Uh, what do they call viral? With it, right? <laughs> right. Well, it's funny, Coach. Earlier this year, Mac Brown of North Carolina did that dance famously, and that went viral. And he joined us and mentioned a couple things. One. So much goes into a single victory that probably most casual fans don't understand. That darn it, you just want to feel you. You feel like you want to dance and let it out in other ways. And in his case, Coach, I don't know if, if you've ever used this tactic. He actually was at some event where the players danced as they were sharing personal stories, and then it came Coach Brown's time to share and dance. And he said, "I'm sharing a story, but I'm not dancing unless you guys beat the Gamecocks." So he like left the carrot out there on the stick. Uh, how has that kind of thing worked for you with your players? Well, I, they haven't asked for that yet. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's funny. Uh, they will usually, like, we can order them, you know, through Nike, a special shoe or something. So they would rather get that than they would see me dance. That's for sure. <laughs> David Cutcliffe is with us. He's on Twitter, at David Cutcliffe. It's his 4-2 and two Devils at 4-2 and two UVA, Saturday afternoon, 3.30. That is a game on the ACC Network. You had your own turnaround that has since become famous here. You inherited a team with a lot of issues, and now you've taken the Devils to one of the best stretches, uh, really the best extended stretch in modern Duke football history. Your opponent... Uh, has a at least somewhat similar story. Bronco Mendenhall went 2-10 his first year in Charlottesville. Now he's a coastal contender, as you are. H- how do you summarize what you see now when you prepare for the Cavaliers? Is it mostly about better talent, or are there a lot of things that go into those sorts of uh, culture changes? Well, there's no question there are a lot of things, and Bronco's been a really good friend for a long time. We've served together on the American Football Coaches Association board, and he's done it right for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's no question it's culture. Uh, their talent's better, yes. But there is a culture there, not only in just 
the way they go about their work. It's the quality of their work, defensively, offensively, and in the kicking game. This will be as balanced a team as you will play all year. They make you play every down. They rarely make a mistake. Uh, he's very He's a great teacher of defense, and so they're they're just not out of position. So if you look at them, they're not going to give up many explosives, and they will tackle well on offense. They sustain blocks. And then you throw in Bryce. <laughs> he has changed the game for them. Yeah. So there's the talent factor. I think he's terrific. Uh, when I'm not having to prepare yeah. for him or play him, I enjoy watching him play quarterback. But uh, – He's just terrific, and with all of that said, yeah, they're they're a big-time football team. Well, you mentioned one Bryce. Bryce Perkins, of course, is that dual-threat quarterback who has really energized the Cavaliers. Uh, everybody feels bad for a different Bryce. Bryce Hall, probably the Cavaliers' number one NFL prospect, uh, possible first-round pick. He goes down with a season-ending injury. Coach, it looks like – I just want you to take us into the, you know, the brain of a coach. It really looked like the Miami Hurricanes dramatically changed play calling before Bryce Hall left the game as a star cornerback and then after he exited. It wasn't like a, a slight twist. It was like they didn't go near him before and they went after his replacement afterward. You know, you spend all week planning. In your experience, how much do you react – to something that you could not have known was coming in the well, moment. Well, yeah, for, first let me say this. I think it's horrific to see those yeah. types of injuries to any player. Uh, certainly a great player. It's, it's uh, just made me sick to my stomach yeah. when I watch it on tape. And you can tell one thing for those that are thinking about him in the NFL, that is one tough son of a gun. No kidding. He set up, and, I mean, he did not roll. He, uh, it was amazing. But, and playing uh, on special teams, right? Yeah, he's there and got hurt playing on special yep. teams. And as we all know, a lot of stars think that might be beneath them. Right. But that's part of their culture. He, uh, you know, and when that happens in a game, yeah, every one of us are going to be aware of what the circumstance. They put a really good player over there. They took a starting safety who I – you know, I can tell he's a good cover man. Now, he's not Bryce Hall, right. but but he's certainly a good cover man. And, yeah, Miami has also got big-time guys outside. I mean, good gosh, can they run and they've got size. And so I think it probably encouraged them to play a little differently and they move the ball more. I don't think that you're going to take a Virginia defense and have 14 play drives against them. I think Miami realized also – there was opportunity, and they started making a few big plays, which helped them put a few enough points on the board. They didn't score a lot, but 17 points on the board was enough in that day to win. David Cutcliffe is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He took the Devils to the ACC title game back in 2013. With a win in Charlottesville, the Devils would be on track to at least have a shot of doing that again. He's taken the Devils to six bowl games in the last seven years. Back in August, you promised us that you saw a lot from your defense. And I know the numbers can vary here and there, but some of the numbers suggest that whereas Clemson is playing defense, you know, kind of at a top five level nationally, 
that you and the Cavaliers, maybe along with another team you just saw, Pitt, most numbers I see suggest that you, the Panthers, and the Cavs are playing the next best defense. What, what are your guys doing right on that side of the ball, and do you think it is your best defense in 12 years at Duke? Oh, I do, without a doubt. I, I think the balance of the defense, uh, we've got a lot of speed, but we've got more strength. We've got depth up front. Uh, that we have not had. We're playing a lot of people up front, and it's, that's really beneficial. Uh, people thought linebacker might be, you know, a weakness when, when losing two really great players in Ben and Joe Giles Harris. But, you know, those guys, we knew. I mean, we were the only ones that we knew how good we would be. And Kobe, Brandon Hill, Shaka, Xander Gagnon, we got a lot of people playing well there. And then our secondary is fast, active. Um, Dylan Singleton, when healthy, is as good a player as I've been around as far as a playmaker. And uh, he does a great job at safety, and our corners are playing at a high level. They're both really, really fast and really good athletes. So hopefully we can hang on to this throughout the rest of the season. Coach, when you look at that, what's often called coastal chaos, obviously Georgia Tech has a new coach, and they're struggling right now. But among the other six teams – I know there's occasionally been a blowout. I mean, you guys went to Blacksburg and just hammered the Hokies. But for the most part, I mean, do you see UVA as like the team to chase? Or do you, I mean, you just played Pitt. Um, Is it just shades of gray among the six teams not named Georgia Tech right now? Well, I think that there was a reason Virginia was picked to win. Yeah. And I think Bryce Perkins is just a part of that. I think they've got a good football team. They had a lot of returning starters on both sides of the ball. They're outstanding in the kicking game. So I would say that for all of us, they are the team to chase still. Um, They're an outstanding team. But, (laughs) I mean, you're talking about gray. What what the Coastal Division has done, you know, championships are decided in November, but we've brought November to October. So every time you line up, you're in the playoffs as far as the Coastal Division Championship. I love that feeling. Uh, I hope our team embraces that. I like playing in meaningful football games, and I actually like it when it's hard. I think that's that's kind of your opportunity to go to another level as a program. So, you know, you, you should view those as, as incredible. I have a little formula. I just say that the the, the, the size of the challenge – times the rate of your effort will will give you, excuse me, times your effort will give you the rate of your growth. Hmm. Well, we're in a growing opportunity right now. The challenges are going to be huge this week, next week. Let's, let's find out. Let's put phenomenal effort into the preparation and the playing of these games. What will it do to our program? You seniors, what will this do to pass this on to our freshmen? So I think these are great opportunities. It's a lot of fun. It's why I love coaching from the football perspective. I love it most just working with young people. But, man, this is a good time of year. And uh, I love all of these meaningful games and beautiful days, don't you? Oh, and folks, think of this. I know, Coach, your tunnel vision, you're not allowed to think about anything besides your trip to UVA, and I totally respect that. But just as a college football fan and somebody who loves this stuff, in the bigger picture, your guys can't think about it, but Notre Dame is coming to Duke in early November. And some, I mean, you guys have back-to-back, again, only think of the Cavs, but you've got that trip to Chapel Hill, another coastal contender. 
I, I, I don't know if you can ask for much more than this in late October and early November, and you get a chance, I think, to heal up in there in between uh, somewhere, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we're open before Notre right. Dame. We need it, and then we need to put some nails maybe that catch their bus tires and slow them down a little bit. <laughs> They're good. We've been watching them on film against Virginia, and um, I, I'm not sure yet if the Bears didn't dress out in their <laughs> uniforms. But. Hey, it doesn't surprise me that you and Bronco are friends because you're truly kindred spirits. You're two of the guys that I've come to just really admire and respect in more ways than I can count. So uh, may the best team win. Good luck in Charlottesville. And as always, thanks for the time on the David Glenn Show. Thanks a lot, David. Take care. You got it. Coach Cut, National Coach of the Year with the Devils in 2013, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, was also the SEC Coach of the Year. And while at Ole Miss, remember, with Eli Manning, beat Nick Saban in the Alabama Crimson Tide. Coach Cut is on a relatively short list of active coaches who can claim a win head-to-head over that Nick Saban guy. David Cutcliffe took the Devils to the ACC title game six years ago. The winner, the winners, right? If Carolina goes to Blacksburg and beats the Hokies and the Devils go to Charlottesville and beat the Cavaliers, Duke and Carolina have a showdown the following week in Chapel Hill. Like the winner of that one all of a sudden would become the Coastal Division favorite. One of the reasons we picked that game for our big tailgate tour, remember we're at Winston-Salem this weekend. We'll be in Chapel Hill the following weekend. Don't forget, if you can stop by and see us, the last resort It's a bar on Deacon Boulevard right there near the football stadium. 7.30 kick as Florida State visits Wake Forest. We're hanging out at the last resort from 4 to 7 p.m. Only trip to Winston-Salem this year. Big game for the 5-1 Deacons and the 3-3 Seminoles of Willie Taggart. If you can't catch us there, make sure you go to the website, BigTailGateTour.com. You can be the owner of four free Continental Tires. Qualify just by visiting the website, filling out a quick form. That's at BigTailGateTour.com. 1-800-849-2761. One and only one. More guests coming. That's a little bit later. Mick Mixon, the play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers. Some of you want in on Astros, Yankees, and other baseball. Others, the college football picture. Week 8 is underway. App State is in all the right headlines. Wake is still 5-1. and one. Duke and Carolina have big-time road trips. The Wolfpack can get to 5-2 and two and is the favorite at Boston College. Chime in with your question or comment at 1-800-849-2761. The NFL Week 7 begins tonight. It is the Chiefs at the Broncos. Other matchups worth awaiting. Eagles at Cowboys will be your Sunday night football. Saints at the Bears should be a good one. The New Orleans Saints are 4-0 with Teddy Bridgewater in at quarterback for the injured Drew Brees. The Bears, of course, are pretty good. Mitch Trubisky, former UNC star, still in the spotlight in Chicago. The 4-2 Ravens visit the 5-1 Seahawks. How's that for a quarterback matchup? They're both, right now, top five MVP candidates along with a guy like Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson in an all-ACC quarterback showdown. And speaking of such things, 4-2 and two Houston visits 3-2 and two Indianapolis. How about a little Deshaun Watson of Clemson versus Jacoby Brissett of NC State, another all-ACC quarterback matchup that is 
part of one of the more compelling NFL games of Week 7. 1-800-849-2761. More on the NFL with Mick Mixon later. More of your phone calls, college football, Major League Baseball, the NBA, Vince Carter, LeBron James, the International China Incident, and otherwise. You can be next with your question, comment, or complaint at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Mick Mixon later, your calls now. Panthers have an open week before they head to San Francisco. They have won four straight. Cam is coming back to practice soon. Mick Mixon, play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers, will chime in on the London trip, the quarterback situation, the extremely rare fair catch-free kick that had so many Londoners and even American football fans confused. Mick Mixon was all over it on the radio broadcast. Good friend of the program drops by a little bit later this hour. Your phone calls are welcome on the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, and other headlines of the day. Vince Carter in a good way. LeBron James in a different way are both in the NBA headlines as that regular season is now merely days away. You can be next with your question or comment at one 800 849 D is in Durham, North Carolina, and has the LeBron James debate on his or her mind. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks for having me, David. So I don't, I don't want to get into, because I completely agree with a lot of what you've said, so I don't want to regurgitate any okay. of the brilliance <laughs> that you've displayed so far this morning. But it was um, about people being intellectually dishonest about what it what it really is with LeBron James, but I think there's an element of what's being missed out of this conversation, and that was going back to his initial statement, which within his initial statement, he talked more about, and it sounded to me like the frustration he had was centered around player safety in particular True. with Daryl Morey. As yep. a, in regard to Daryl Morey, which was, we're on our way to a to an environment that was not hostile before you tweeted, and then you tweeted that environment is now hostile, and that seemed to be the crux of his frustration. Yeah. More so, more or less than money, which it piggybacks on your point, which is people being intellectually dishonest, and, and concerns with how he has spoken out about matters domestically, with the same with money being. A situation that he could be sacrificing. Yeah, of course. And him sacrificing that opportunity. But I, I think this is a situation where people are jumping at an opportunity to jump on LeBron James because of that. They are. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I think you're right, D, and it's a good point made. I think we all agree. LeBron botched his choice of words while addressing the Daryl Morey tweet. There, I, if you gave him another chance and he had time to deal with it, he might find the right script. I think we all know that this is how the world works, right? You might – I mean, I'm a host of a sports radio show. There's about a 99% factor where I am just speaking to you the way I would speak to a friend or somebody in the car on a road trip – there are about, uh, not even 1%, a fraction of 1% of topics 
where I know that I better choose every word exactly correctly. And, Darren, you've been with me four years. I'll bet you it doesn't happen like more than a handful of times a year where something is so sensitive, a matter of race or religion that enters the sports world, where it's just so hypersensitive that you know part of your audience is just going to misquote you or misinterpret you or whatever. So I actually, a handful of times a year, will write down the words that I am going to say as I address something. Seriously, 99.9% of the time. Of course, I have notes, but I'm just speaking to you more off the cuff with those notes. That rare example is what LeBron and others need to do on matters of this sort. You can't misspeak. But I think, whereas he botched his wording, I think you're right, D, and a lot of LeBron haters have it circled this factor at all he was in china for those who have never been there it is not like visiting london it is not like visiting the caribbean it is not like visiting costa rica it is not like visiting mexico my wife and i vacationed in bora bora halfway around the world truly and i never felt like i was being watched or i was not allowed to stray away from the group or if something weird happened and I needed an attorney for some complication that, you know, I might be unnecessarily jailed without being able to contact my family. In China, that's the feeling that many Americans have. Now, if somebody in my listening audience has worked there and you go just from the airport to where you work and you don't stray too far from the beaten path, you might have had a different experience and feeling there. Many Americans, not just athletes, Talk about a different vibe in China. So for Daryl Morey to have his tweet, the sentiment, again, behind that tweet, I agree with. I'm with the Hong Kong people. I find the China mainland way disgraceful in term of the le- terms of the legal system. I say that as an attorney here in the United States of America. China's legal system is an absolute disgrace. And Hong Kong's legal system, while somewhat different than ours, is much more admirable and the crux of the of the crisis is china mainland china wants to grab some people in hong kong and force them to be prosecuted under the china way that's not a small thing and that's why hong kong folks are protesting they're not asking to to be uh to stray away totally from the two nations one system concept that is sacred to many over there they're just afraid of what's going to happen to the Hong Kongers who have to be tried under this ridiculously unfair, completely unconstitutional, and just insanely flawed and pro-government system. So Maury does his tweet, and, and LeBron James correctly points out, hey, Daryl, man, he didn't say this, but he could have been thinking, I get where you're going, and we're all, almost all of us as Americans are in favor of freedom. Almost all of us would prefer the Hong Kong way over the mainland China way. But given that description of what life is like in China, and LeBron has been there before, um, you know, a guy like Stefan Marbury has made a living as a Chinese basketball player, so he knows the culture much, much more. But on some of these trips, you are supervised. You do not stray from the beaten path. And that's you are being watched and is an entirely different type of experience. And as a result, Daryl Morey changed the entire tone of the NBA's annual visit to China. So that's part of what 
LeBron was trying to channel, and I'm glad D called because that's another thing that the LeBron haters have missed. 1-800-849-2761. I'm still waiting for the first example of social justice warriors who do a lot more abroad than they do in their home country where they vote and where they live and where they are allowed to participate in the political process. Again, LeBron's being held to a double standard. So is Greg Popovich. So is Steve Kerr. And anyone who thinks that they've never risked their finances hasn't been paying attention. You may have heard we are in a divided times here in the United States. And when Popovich or Kerr or LeBron either goes after the president of the United States or chimes in on something else that's divisive in our country right now, yes, the other folks not in your party or not with your political views, they buy sneakers too. So LeBron James did not clam up just because money was at stake. LeBron James has opened his mouth repeatedly on American issues while putting some of his profit at stake. You think that 40% of America likes LeBron more? If he was truly afraid, the accusation here, why would he have been so outspoken on Charlottesville? Why would he be so head-to-head against the current president of the United States? If you're afraid to risk part of your marketplace, you wouldn't say anything at all about those things, knowing that much of your own country sees that person or those things differently than you do. It is, it is truly, truly a blind spot filled with hatred if you can't see those parts of the LeBron, LeBron James equation. 1-800-849-2761. Mick Mixon is the play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers. They have won four straight. They are back from London. They are in an open week, and they have a tough challenge as they head to San Francisco next week to take on the 49ers. According to reports, Cam Newton, he of the injured foot, will be available to practice next week. Ron Rivera has a short-term decision to make if Cam is truly healthy at quarterback. David Tepper has an even bigger long-term decision to make as the owner of the Carolina Panthers because you've got to figure out soon, not this week, not next week, but by the end of this year, you must figure out where Cam Newton fits in the longer-term future of a franchise at the most important position on the field. He's under contract through next season, but that doesn't necessarily mean he'll automatically be a member of the Carolina Panthers next season. We'll see what Cam has left on his tires once he becomes healthy. I don't think that'll be against the Niners in San Francisco, but who knows? Mick Mixon will chime in on these matters and more when he joins us next on The David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Our good friend Mick Mixon, play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers, just took a nice trip to the United Kingdom. We appreciate him bringing back a victory for us. The Panthers have won four straight after that 0-2 start. As you know, Kyle Allen has been the author of those four victories, and yet that Cam Newton guy, according to reports, will be back at practice soon. Mick Mixon, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Was your reception in London, did it match what you thought the United Kingdom thought of the NFL, or were you surprised by anything along the way? 
DG, good to hear your voice. I don't think I've ever been any prouder to be a small part of a team of people that, that helps to connect Panther fans with Panther football than I was in the U.K. I cool. mean, just the number of fans, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they afforded it. Uh, but the number of people that got over there, got tickets, flew the Keekley jerseys and others, was incredible. The Panthers got 1,200 tickets to a lot. And the stadium was decidedly Panthers, even though the NFL did everything they could to make it a Bucks home game. So there was Buccaneers in both end zones. Tampa Bay brought their little cannons or papier-mâché cannons uh-huh. over there, not the real thing with yeah. their ship. But they, they, there was just the, the red everywhere, except when you looked about the stands and saw how many Panther fans there were. It was incredible. You see a lot more American football venues than I do. But I happened to take the family to London in August, and we happened to catch a Tottenham Hotspur home game in that same, what, $1 billion-plus state-of-the-art stadium. And I was taken aback, man. I was in one of those luxury boxes. It was, I mean, up there with, like, Jerry's World or anything else I've seen in the United States. How did it compare to what you see on a week-to-week basis in the United States? See, I knew you would trump me. I knew you were over there first. You were in a luxury suite. I was just in a plain old press box. Uh, you probably had the limo and in the little whatever food they served you over there. But uh, don't mind my pain and suffering. You know, we, we had a good enough time. Uh, but uh, I, I thought it was – I thought it was it was unbelievable just the, the engineering that goes in to being able to break a field apart take it out, put it somewhere, bring it back in, put it over the top of a soccer pitch, et cetera. I just don't get the whole roof thing, though. I mean, they, if you're going to – it reminded me of Texas Stadium in Irving, yeah. Texas. Yeah. With It seemed to me as though it just felt a little bit incomplete. I mean, either go ahead and put the roof on there or, or, or not, but I guess it's fine. I mean, they know what they're doing. I'm not trying to run it for them, and it probably works great for soccer. Did it? Was it a good place to watch a soccer game? It was incredible, and we were seated – right between the visiting team's fans, Aston Villa, and the home fans at Tottenham. And there's all sorts of, like, cultural, like, animosity from one fan base to another over there. But I'm not I, – I think I might have mentioned this to you on one of your previous visits. I'm not exaggerating when, they, when I say that there was a large number of huge human beings in neon jacket security outfits standing between where the Aston Villa sections ended – and where the Tottenham sections started. Because once the game got a little divisive, like they needed that much human element between the two angry fan bases. I was going to ask you that, because I remember from years ago, the, 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 the phrase soccer hooligans yes. rose to prominence. Was it during a World Cup? I can't remember, but does that, is that still a thing? It is. Now, we saw mostly good-natured yet profane type stuff, like – my kids, were, their eyes were wide open because Aston Villa happened to score first. So then all the Aston Villa fans that are at least on the edge of their section are either turning around and facing the Tottenham fans behind them. And Tottenham fans apparently have like the the highfalutin reputation and the Aston Villa are kind of the guys from the neighborhood reputation. So there's like cultural warfare. There's words that I had never even heard before. I mean, it didn't cross, I don't think, like, I didn't see it cross violence lines, but they did have to escort some people out of the building when they just got too aggressive 
with their uh, their verbiage and just the intensity in their faces. Like there was a guy right in front of me, probably roughly our age, who had a boy uh, that probably was in his early teens. And I'm just thinking, man, this little kid's getting an eyeful of some true venom. Like where does healthy passion end and where does – angry unhealthy venom begin that's what i was thinking but uh, you know i'm weird that way well all i know to say about that is that if there were words you've never heard before and you are a an attorney and b from philadelphia <laughs> yeah, right i can only imagine what was being thrown about <laughs> mick mixon is joining us it was panthers over buccaneers there it will be panthers against the 49ers in san francisco my favorite and that's uh, a week from sunday my favorite moment on your broadcast i went back and found part of it because your buddy Jim Zoki joined us and, and mentioned it. Whereas Rich Eisen on the TV side, when it came up to the fair catch, free kick, unusual circumstances there at the end of the first half, I think it was, his words were, Londoners are confused right now. Americans are confused right now, and yet you were all over it. Tell us what happened there, because Jim said it was like Mick Mixon broadcasting class at its best. <laughs> That's crazy talk, but um, I appreciate that being being brought up. I should have been on it earlier. When the Bucks started going backward, we were discussing, you know, Ray Ray McLeod, and do you let him return it? Do you, do you neuter him because right. he had fumbled one earlier? That diverted some of our attention from a nuanced, NFL rule that's been in the books for a long time. I'm told that it has rugby roots, but it goes essentially like this. After any punt, the receiving team can signal for a fair catch and from that spot attempt a free kick, which would be different from a scrimmage kick where there'd be a snap and the defense could, could rush in, could block the kick. The defense has to just stand there 10 yards downfield from their team A's restraining line while the, the, the team that has called for a fair catch attempts either a drop kick or a place kick. Yeah. So Joey Sly drew down, and I was so excited when, when this happened because I, it's one of those things that you think you're just never going to see. Right. You know it's in the rules, but you just think it's one of those useless pieces of trivia that you'll take to your grave with you. And then when the Panthers lined up for it, I was so excited to see it. And, you know, Joey Slide from 60 just barely pushed it to the right. right. Otherwise, it would have been even a more special moment. Was that on your radar because of some game prep, you know, a decade or more before? Had you ever seen it before? I'd never seen it before. I, I read that it hadn't been uh, attempted in the NFL since 2013. Hmm. And I think that might have been in the preseason, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But Max Henson of our .com site, he had no idea what was going on either. So he researched it, and he was all talking about it, all the Twitter about it. And he said that the last one that was made was in 1976 or thereabouts. And I, I don't know, uh, DG, it was just one of those things, you know, I, I, the, I just I like the rules. I yeah. think it's it's – there's so many differences between high school, college, and pro football rules that I think anybody – and you'd be the same. I mean, if, if your job and mine were, were more similar, you'd be the same way. You'd, you'd want to go to the rules clinic and meet with the officials when they come to camp in the off season and, and just figure out what, the, you know, what, what keeps them up at night. Out of the 7 billion people on planet Earth, there's at least two 
who understood the details of the fair catch free kick. Mick Mixon, our guest, is one of them. Chase Blackburn was another. Like the special teams coach of the Panthers was almost foaming at the mouth, it looked like. He was so excited about that play and some others as the Panthers got to 4-2 and two and got their fourth straight win. He, of course, was one of the voices in the room as the Panthers made a change. Uh, Greg Dorch is a guy we got an eyeful of at Wake Forest. I love how the practice squad rules work. You know, the Panthers didn't like Ray Ray McLeod, uh, you know, muffing the ball and making some bad decisions. Greg Dorch uh, is now a member of the Carolina Panthers. Is, is this uh, plug, pluck him from the practice squad, plug him in against the 49ers, assumedly? And what do they see in him? I think so. I mean, he looks like he's got the juice, and, and, and he can't be on I me. Mean, he's got to be smart since he played at Wake. Right. And, and, uh, and I think that, that the Panthers, you know, I think the main thing is ball security. Just track the ball, catch it cleanly, and then get what yards you can. And, and I think Dorch apparently fits the mold. Let me tell you this real fast, DG, because it goes to Chase Blackburn. Talking to him at training camp, there's another rule where if the punt team touches the punt first downfield. Yes, yes. You know this? Yep. It's a no-fault return. Right. So the, so the receiving team can scoop it up, can return it 30 yards downfield, fumble it, but they still get to keep the ball. So I'm asking Chase Blackburn about, and I'm pretty sure he's aware of it, I'm really not sure. I'm thinking, Chase, you know, have, and, and, he, and I tell him about it, and he, and he looks at me, he stops, and he looks right at me like an assassin. And he says, we got to play for that, <laughs> where we lateral it out to the side because that will enhance our chances of returning it. And, we'll, and, and, and if we mess up, there's no fault to us anyway. So I said, you're the man. You're my hero. You know we have to ask you to look into your Mick Mix and Crystal Ball and tell us, with the reports that Cam will start practicing, uh, remind us how the calendar works next week as they prepare for the 49ers. And what is your educated guess or other observation about how you handle four straight wins of Kyle Allen, and he's played really well in a lot of cases, but an assumedly ready-to-go Cam Newton? I mean, do you, do you automatically stick with the hot hand? Do you automatically stick with the face of the franchise and plug them back in, or is it going to be day-to-day all next week? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was hoping to use up all my yeah, time right? on the segment. Let's talk about, about Aston Villa again. Good God, Gertie. Well. <laughs> Um, I think that the rule is, I think the rule of thumb is, because it used to be there's the old saw, player gets hurt, he can't lose his job because of injury, you plug him back in. I think that's dated. So I think the rule in the NFL loosely stated is, the rule of thumb is, unless it's either Breeze or Brady, you go with the hot hand. Until that hot hand cools off, gets hurt, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. How you read? That's not a bad summary, to be honest. I'm trying to think if, if there are other examples beyond those two. We know it would work that way in New Orleans and in New England. I can't think of many others. And as much as Cam has done for this franchise, um, I think given just the weird communication and he has since admitted he wasn't fully healthy, even when he was telling the team he was healthy. If I'm Ron Rivera or North Turner, North Turner I have to see in practice, A, that he's fully healthy, and B, that there's enough rust off that he can make the accurate throws that he needs to make. Otherwise, I'm starting Kyle Allen against San Francisco. I think you risk anarchy if, if you don't handle it that way. And I'm not talking about in the locker room. I'm just talking about some yeah. Panther fans I communicate with that are friends of mine that, that love football as you and I do that just say, look, Mick, you've got to tell 
like I have some kind of traction with the coaches. <laughs> you know, you got to tell them to keep to keep with Kyle Allen. The kids played great. The team has rallied around him. But I, and I think the practice field is, as you say, the petri dish. There's really no decision to make until several key things happen. Cam Newton comes back. He's sustainably convinced everyone that he's he's reliably healthy, and he works himself back into the kind of quarterbacking rhythm where he could be put into the game. Last thing for you, you just mentioned the word healthy. Of course, we're going to continue to follow Cam. We saw a pretty impressive performance by sixth-round pick Dennis Daly starting at left tackle. I mean, holy cow, he ends up getting like a pro football-focused lineman of the week award or something. But Trey Turner's had his ankle issue. Greg Little has his concussion issue. Can you just remind us of that big picture? Not like the long-term guys like Graham Gano, but the more the week-to-week guys. Are the Panthers going to be really close to full strength by San Francisco a week from Sunday? I think Trey Turner probably, or he's close anyway. The concussion protocol with Greg Little is yeah. more difficult yeah. to try to predict, and I'd never try to get out on that, that thin ice. But if you had a game ball for the season to give for the Carolina Panthers at 4-2, and two, McCaffrey would get a lot of love. Mm. Kyle Allen would get a lot of love. Brian Burns, there's others on D. But you could do no worse than John Matsko, a crusty, mm. curmudgeonly, mm ball coach who has taken this O-line in different pieces and, and made it cohesive somehow or another. It's been miraculous to see. Well put, my friend. Great to hear your voice again. Welcome back to mainland America, and we'll be knocking on your door again soon. Sounds good, DG. Thanks for the All right, bud. You got it. Play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers. Final thoughts, TV picks, as we come down the stretch. Next. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop after this. Yeah, maybe join you on the radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the come. Thanks to Tony Barnhart of ESPN, Mr. College Football, David Cutcliffe of Duke, Mick Mixon of the Panthers. Hey, Darren, have you ever seen the Levitard show where they have on the TV side, I think it's C or no. C O no. C O no. I speak French and English, but not Spanish. <laughs> where they ask the panelists, are you interested in this TV option tonight or not? Yes, I'm a big fan. This is on a highly questionable, the TV product okay. with you Dan You be Levitar. the voice, and then I'll tell you tonight whether <laughs> I'm interested in uh, the options. Okay. All right. So first, we've got a college football doubleheader. It's Louisiana, Arkansas no, State. No, neither <laughs> one. What's next? Uh, in Two NBA games? No. What's What's next? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, the World Series, Astros-Yankees at see, 8 o'clock. See, I am very intrigued. I am very intrigued. The Astros at the Yankees. It is must-see TV. New York must win to even that series at two games apiece. If you're down 3-1 to the Astros, you are all but officially done. Masahiro Tanaka has one of the best career postseason ERAs in the history of this game. The Yankees must win at home with him on the hill against Zach Greinke and the Astros. Anything else? Any other options? Oh, Chiefs Broncos, right? See, see, I am very intrigued. I am very intrigued. The Chiefs at the Broncos with Patrick Mahomes the last two years. Both of KC's trips to Denver have gone down to the wire. The Chiefs won both, but they were more entertaining than you might have thought. Enjoy the games. Hope to see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show.
Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.